Thank you for checking out the City Church Podcast today. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Pastor Brent and Nicole and family are on vacation, and he has invited Tyler Fitch to be our minister this morning of the Word of God. Tyler is our youth director here. I want to say to you and help you understand that it's very important that pastors concern themselves and think about the next generation. Too many pastors that I've experienced over the years have not done this. And so the person that's playing the piano was 101 years old. (laughs) They forget about the music of the generation that's coming along. So this is what Pastor Brent is doing with Tyler, involving him in ministry to the youth, preaching on, on Wednesday night, involving him in the music, involving him now preaching from time to time on Sunday morning. Personally, I was the recipient of such a thing 55 years ago. Esther and I had graduated from Bible college and we were attending university in London, Ontario. And the pastor of the church took me under his wing, so to speak, and taught me about pastoring. That pastoring is not just preaching, although it takes you 20, 30 hours to get a message ready. But there's a whole host of things that you have to understand as pastor. He taught me that. I'll be forever grateful for his love and his concern. And I determined because of that experience that I was going to do the same as a minister. Tyler is a graduate of Portland Bible College where he graduated with a BA degree in theology. When he graduated about a minute and a half later he married Jane. His Bible school sweetheart, Jane, why don't you stand so the people can see here we are. Bless you today. (laughs) Tyler, it's interesting, has a long line of uh, pastors and preachers in his background. Willie Fitch, his great-grandfather, was the pastor of the Windsor Church, beautiful mega church. Matter of fact, in the 50s, Esther and I We were traveling with the school ensemble and we sang in that church and heard him speak. It was a blessing. So he comes from a long line. His grandfather, father, uncles are all either preachers or pastors. And another interesting thing that Tyler's history intersects with Pastor Brent. Tyler's mother and Pastor Brent as teenagers were in the youth group at Evangel Temple. And his grandfather worked for me at Evangel Temple. So we have a a little history today. And we're really glad that he's here with us on staff. And I'm going to invite him to the platform to minister to you this morning. Just receive him now as he comes.
Now you can see the generation difference. I don't see it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing, City Church? No, come on. How are you guys doing? Come on, we're in church. You can get excited about it. It's a great day to be here in the house of God. Well, I, uh, I'm, really, I'm really, really honored um, to be able to, to speak this morning. It is a great privilege. Really thankful um, for the opportunity. I don't take it lightly. Uh, I'm just really blessed. We're really blessed to be a part of this family. And we're just over uh, a year in now. And um, from the bottom of my heart and our heart um, to, to the pastors, to the staff, and to you, Jane and I really just want to say thank you. Thank you for welcoming us into your family with open arms is an understatement. You guys have been nothing but kind and generous and loving, and we love what we get to do. We absolutely love it. And it's a privilege and an honor. So I'm excited to, to speak this morning. I'm excited to be a part of this church. I think this is the best church in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Pastor Brent didn't pay me extra to say that. So I actually mean it. But I'm excited to, to share with you guys today. If you could turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. We're going to start there now. At this point, when we are jumping into the Old Testament, we are jumping into a time where kings were ruling and reigning in the nation of Israel. Now, this time, a guy named Saul, who was really good looking, and he was really tall, and he, he was the king at the time. And, and what happened is that he had made some bad decisions, and God decided that it was time for a new king to step up to the plate. It was time for a new king to step up to the plate. So he begins to talk, God begins to talk to this guy named Samuel and leads him to this family. And this family, there's the father, and his name is Jesse. And he has all of these sons. And God had led Samuel there to the house of Jesse, and he is ready to find and anoint and pick the next king of Israel. And I want to jump in at verse 6. It says, when they came... And he, when Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab must have been really good looking. He probably looked the part. He probably had a kingly beard and long flowing hair and who knows. But when he saw him, he said, surely this must be the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? Like, do, do you have any more? Is there, is there anybody else? Because none of these guys are it. And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest. There's the, the youngest of all of them, but, but, but he, he's off. But behold, he, he's, just, he's just hanging out with the sheep. 
He's just, he's just hanging out, watching them. He is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he had beautiful eyes and he was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is powerful, that it's effective. God, we thank you that every single time that we open it up, Lord, that, that it, it can change our life. So God, we, we, we offer up ourselves. God, we offer up our heart. And we pray that, that, that you would shape us and mold us. God, we pray that you would soften our heart. God, and we just allow it to be changed by you. God, we pray for spiritual blessing and guidance for the Toronto Raptors in this off season. In Jesus' name, amen. 2018-19 world champs. I'm telling you, Dwayne Casey can have a fun time in Detroit. God bless him. Hey, he's blessed in his coming and in his going. Absolutely. You know what I'm talking about. Now, I took four years of French while I was in high school. Um, I couldn't tell you probably a word of French now. Um, I took it to meet girls, obviously. Uh, it, that failed horribly. Um, just, it was a train wreck. I mean, I didn't meet Jane till I was, that was like seven years later. So that game plan didn't work. But I took four years of French and, you know, I took, a, I took a little bit of it, obviously. You know, I had to take it before I got to high school and I couldn't learn it. But what I've realized is that over my years, um, now I'm, I'm 25, I'm going to be 26 in the fall. And I've realized that unbeknownst to me, I've actually learned a whole new language. Like, I didn't even know this was happening, and I knew it. Now, I don't know if you've heard of it, but if you've been around church, you've grown up in church, you probably know it too, and you've, you, didn't even, you didn't even realize it. And this is Christianese. Christianese. This is a real thing, I'm telling you. Now, I've found that we as Christians, we as church folk, sometimes say things that in another context to people who we would call secular, it wouldn't make any sense to them. Now, here's what I'm talking about. You ever just been talking to somebody and be like, hey, man, like, like how, you, how have you been lately? And they're just like, well, I'm just, I'm really in a season. And you're like, like, me too. It's summer outside. What are you talking about? Like, September, it's gonna be the fall. Like, yeah, in a season. Like, what does that mean? God's just got me in a season. Okay, dude, cool. That's awesome. What about you ever been like, Maybe you're hanging out with people and, you know, you talk about it the next day and you're just like, hey, did you, have, did you have fun at that? And you're just like, oh, you know what? The fellowship that we had, the community, like nobody else says that outside of church people. I'm just telling you. You say that to people at work, they're like, who is this guy? Fellowship? Are you talking about like, like the Lord of the Rings? Like what is going on? What's happening right now? One of the other things I think we say a lot of the time, and I think it's awesome, because what it actually is, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a two-edged sword. We can kind of use it to actually uh, to cover up for, for somebody's, maybe their faults, you could say. And, and this phrase, I love this phrase, it's, they've got a great heart. Now, here, here, here it is played out. If you, if you maybe ask somebody, you're talking to somebody after church today, and they're like, well, how did Tyler do speaking? And you're like, well, he's got a great heart. Ellen, Ellen, how did, how did that person do with their worship audition? 
Well, you know, they've got a really good heart. Uh, you know, they've got a great heart. I love using it. It's so easy. You can get about anything. Oh, they've got a great heart. So maybe how they do in City Kids? Well, they're kind of weird, but they got a great heart. We're not going to keep them in City Kids, I'll tell you that. But hey, they got a great heart. I love it. It's amazing. But I think it's, it's funny because the truth is what's most important is the heart. What counts the most is our heart. Samuel is looking at all these sons and he sees Eliab and he said, oh, this dude is so good looking. This must be him. Surely this is the Lord anointed. But God says to him, you're looking at it all wrong. You, you've got it all backwards. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God, where does he look? The heart. God looks at the heart. God cares about the condition of our heart. But so often we care more about the condition of our bank account or the condition of our physical appearance or the condition of our career. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm saying when we get it mixed up, our priorities get out of whack, things begin to get weird. We begin to, to, to miss out on things because we're not looking the way that God looks. We're looking with man's eyes, not God's eyes. But see, David was the youngest. Like, Samuel shows up, and Jesse didn't even think that he was worthy to be invited to the party. He didn't even, like, oh, like, no, just, he's definitely not going to be picked. Like, he can just keep hanging out with the sheep. It's all good. But it would be David that was overlooked by his own father that would be picked and anointed for king. The Bible says about David that he was a man after God's own heart. And it says that God picked him, not looking at the outward, not looking at the exterior, but looking inside at his heart. So my question is, what was it about David's heart that God loves so much? What were the things that David had resolved in his spirit that he decided that I am going to be a man after God's own heart. And God would say, that's the man for the job. That's who I want running my kingdom. Being the man who is over my people. What was it? I believe that there's five things that we see in chapter 17. Chapter 16 is where David gets anointed. Chapter 17 is David and Goliath. Classic story. David versus the giant Goliath. And I think that there's five things that we see in this story that reveal characteristics of David's heart. And I believe that we should all strive to be people after God's own heart. That we should strive to be a church after God's own heart. That we should care about the things that God cares about. That we should be passionate about the things that God's passionate about. I don't know about you, but I want to have a heart like David's. So what was it about David's heart that God loved so much? I believe that there is five things. And I think number one is that he knew his God was bigger than his battle. He knew his God was bigger than his battle. Chapter 17, verse 26. 
David shows up on the scene. His dad sends, David didn't even go to the war. Again, he's overlooked. He just stays at home. His three brothers that we read about in the story, they're all at war. And his dad says, well, why don't you just go maybe bring them some sandwiches, stop at Little Caesars and go pick up a pizza and bring it out to them. And he's bringing the food out to them. And he shows up and everybody is freaking out. Everybody, oh, have you, have you, have you heard about Goliath? The giant? Um, I don't, I don't, the, we're, we're done for. Oh. And David shows up. And he's like, why are you guys freaking out? Verse 26, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David understood that who was for him was greater than what was before him. David knew that it didn't matter how big the giant might seem. He knew that his God was bigger than any battle that he might face. He knew. He understood it. He believed it. When everybody else didn't, he, he resolved in his heart. I, I, I'm not going to let the battle intimidate me. I'm not going to let this giant who, who, who is big, who, who, who comes from, uh, he, he's a warrior. He, he's just, he's huge. He's massive. He's intimidating. I'm not going to be intimidated. Why? Because my God is bigger. My God is stronger. If God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. He knew his God was bigger. Remember that no battle of yours is too big for God. Nothing that you're facing this morning, no season that you're in is too big for your God to overcome. So David shows up. He says, who is this guy that he thinks he's bigger than God? He's just an uncircumcised Philistine. But I serve a living God. Are there some Philistines in your life that you need to call out this morning? Are there some things that you're up against and you just need to be like, who do you think you are? Don't you know who my God is? Don't you know that my God is bigger? Don't you know that my God is stronger? This morning, would you resolve in your heart to have a heart like David's and determine, man, there, there is nothing and nobody bigger than my God? Because often the giants look big. The giants seem Loud. They're the loudest thing in our ear. And that's what happens when we get into battle. We begin to hear all of these voices. Giants saying, you can't do it. Oh, you're, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. Your God can't take me. And what's sad is that often there are people around us who are echoing what the giant says. The second thing that I see David doing, the second thing about David's heart is that he cut out the critics. He cut out the critics. You can also, also write down, he hushed the haters, if you want. I had kind of a similar point on Wednesday, and I used that one. Wesley knows. He gets it. He's on his head. Cut out the critics. He hushed the haters. Verse 28. Now, Eliab, his older brother, who was probably frustrated that he didn't get picked, David shows up. He's talking about, hey, God can't take, God, God can take this guy. This giant is nothing. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? 
And with whom have you left those few sheep? You see what he's doing? He's egging him on. Like, David, why are you here at the battlefield? Shouldn't you just be hanging out with the sheep right now? Shouldn't you just be back at home taking a load? Like, shouldn't you just be, just be hanging out? Why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? But listen to David's resolve, to David's response. It says, and he turned away from him toward another and spoke the same way. And the people answered him again as before. What I love about David is that he didn't let the haters, he didn't let the critics slow him down. In the middle of his battle, looking at his giant, even though everybody around him was saying, David, like, I know you think God can help you out of this. I know that, that you think God is bigger. I know you think God is stronger. But like, David, I, who, who are you? You shouldn't even be here. You should be back with the sheep. Who are you? But what did David decide to do? He decided that I'm not going to let what people say, I'm not going to let man's opinion sink into my heart and affect my opinion. I'm not going to let man's opinion affect God's opinion. I'm not going to let man's opinion affect my battle strategy. I love it. See, never allow what other people think to stand in the way of what God has for you. If you're up against a giant and it looks scary and it looks intimidating and people are saying you're not going to make it, you're not, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you, should just be, you shouldn't even be at this fight, you need to look them back in the face and you just need to be like, that's cool, love you, but I'm going to turn away towards another and I'm going to keep speaking in faith. I'm going to keep speaking and believing that my God is bigger, that this giant has nothing on my God. We need to cut out the critics. Kind of need to tell people to shut up sometimes. In the name of the Lord. In love. You know what I'm saying? Like just, hush, hater. You need to stop. <laughs> Never allow other people's opinion, the voices of the critics, to stand in the way of what God has for you. The third thing that I see David doing is that he remembered God's faithfulness. God loved this about David's heart that he remembered God's faithfulness. Verses 34 to 7. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and he took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I didn't back down. I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, this is so gangster. This is amazing. He's just taking lions and he, he's just, it's amazing. He says, and I took it by the beard and I struck him down and I killed him. And then David said, the Lord who delivered me past tense from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the pear will deliver me future tense from the hand of this Philistine. See, God's faithfulness in the shepherd's field gave David the confidence for the battlefield. David was able to look back on all that God had done, on who God was, and he was able to say, my God was faithful then, and he will be faithful today. He was faithful in that moment. He will be faithful in this moment. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remembered God's faithfulness. 
He remembered God's faithfulness. What you're going through now, when God gets you through it, it will be a victory that you can stand upon when you face your next battle. If you're going through something now, look back on what God has done. Look at how, how he didn't let that thing happen. How he helped you through that thing. How he helped your finances. How he helped your marriage. How he helped your health. David remembered God's faithfulness. He says, there were lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. But you know what I did? You know what God did? He delivered me from them. And in the same way, this giant is going down. This giant, oh, watch out. David remembered God's faithfulness. When you are going to battle, remind yourself of all that God has done and watch how he moves. Watch what he'll do. We need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. The fourth thing is that I see David remaining true to who he was. He remained true to who he was. Verse 38. David's about to go into battle. He's about to, they say, okay, fine. You really think you can take this guy? Sure, but if you're gonna do it, let, let's at least get you some armor. Let's at least set you up. So Saul brings him in. He says, okay. It says that Saul clothed David with his armor. But then David said to Saul, I, I, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. And I love this. It says, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. And his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. God has designed each one of us the way that we are for a reason. The way your heart is, the way that it is, is because God wanted it that way. Because God knew that there would be some battles that you were going to face. So he made you and equipped you and he designed you with the ability to overcome it. But how often do we look at something, do we look at, at a situation or something we have to do and we just think, if I could just be more like that other person. Oh, if I just had as much faith as Dr. Coulter, then oh my goodness. If I could, if I could, if I was as good with my finances as that person, if I was as disciplined, if I was as committed to my health as that person, oh, then, then I'd be okay. You know, it would have been really easy for me to get up here today and try and replicate what Pastor Brent does every week. Now, Pastor Brent is a great speaker. Come on, Pastor Brent is a great speaker. He's an amazing speaker. But I'm not Pastor Brent. If I got on this stage and tried to act like him, I'd be like, this, this feels, something doesn't fit. Some, 
Something doesn't feel right, not because it's bad, but because it's not how God designed me to speak. David remained true to who he was. Saul said, okay, you got to put on my armor. You got to act like me. You got to look like us if you're going to go face this giant. And David said, I don't need any of that. All I need is what God has given me. Because what God has given me is more than enough to take this guy on. So often we get tired or frustrated in the middle of our battles because we're fighting in a way that we were never meant to fight. We're trying to fight like that person and be more like that person and be like that speaker and be like that, that person with that career and that family and that salary. But we forget to look in the mirror and say to ourselves, I was, he, he formed me in my mother's womb. He, his thoughts towards me are like the sand on the seashore. He knows every hair on my head that he designed me so that I could fight my battles just as I am. Never allow jealousy or envy or anger of another person to sneak into your heart. Rock who God made you to be. Be who God made you to be. You will win the most battles when you are the most true to who you really are. When you approach your battles and say, I, I'm, I, I, I got this. Greater is he that's in me. Not greater is he that's in Pastor Print. But greater is he that's in me. It's on the inside of me with my giftings, my talents, and with my faults. With, with, with the things that I'm not so great at. Because if you're like me and you're facing a giant, sometimes you look at it and you say, I, I don't know if I'm enough. I, I, I just, I don't know. I know I'm supposed to believe it. I know that I'm supposed to believe that, that God's going to see this, but I just don't know. I know God's good. I just don't know if I'm good enough. What I love about David is that he was not discouraged by his disadvantage. You know what David's biggest disadvantage was? He was too young. Verse 11 in chapter 16. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But, but behold, he, he's keeping the sheep. Chapter 17, verse 33. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with them for you're, you're, you're just a youth. Verse 42. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained. He said he wasn't even worthy. He disdained him for he was but a youth. You know why I love being a youth pastor? Because you don't need a high school diploma to be used by God. You don't need an eighth grade certificate to be used by God. You don't need one of those silly little kindergarten graduation ceremonies, which don't, I don't even know why those are a thing. Like, 
Okay, cool. Maybe when I have kids, I'll understand. Carl, I don't get it. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But you know what I love? Is that David decided that, hey, I might be too young. I might not be big enough. I don't know. But but, but all I know is that God's got me. And I'm not going to let my disadvantage, I'm not going to allow the fact that I'm too young. Hey, students, are you listening? Don't allow the fact that you're too young to ever stop you from going after what God has for you. You know how old the disciples were? They were teenagers. You know who God was looking at when he said to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church? He was looking at a high school student with acne and issues, and he was into girls, and he was messed up. But listen, God believes in young people, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to believe in young people. I'm going to believe that if God wants to do a revival in this nation, that God's going to do it in and through the young people. Come on. There is no disadvantage too big for God. And that's what I love. That even if you're too young, even if you're too old, you think, even if you've made mistakes, even if you're new to this thing we call faith, even if you've made mistakes, even if your last marriage was awful, even if everything is coming against you, that your disadvantage does not disqualify you from God's purposes. That the thing that you look at and you hate about yourself, God says, I'm going to use that. David was too young. He was overlooked. But man, when he got that sling in his hand, look out. Listen, despite your disadvantage, when you choose to have a heart after God, like David's, to be a person after God's own heart, God will use you to slay giants. God will use you in ways you never thought possible. Get that sling in your hand and let it loose. Rock what you got. Be true to who you are. Remember God's faithfulness. Cut out the critics and know that our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. So today... Do you want to have a heart like David? Who's ready to to slay some giants? Come on, let's all bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Lord, I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that you're bigger, that you're stronger, that you're greater than anything that we might face. I pray over them right now in Jesus' name that whatever's coming against them this week, that they be reminded of who you are and how big you are and how much you love them and how for them you are and that you've got them. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.